Views expressed on this program are those of the sponsors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Asset allocation and diversification strategies cannot assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Capital Retirement Strategies and Cambridge Investment Research are not affiliated. All right, welcome to Plan for Life Now, episode number 45. Wow, five more. Five more, and then what? <laughs> then it's our 50-year anniversary, and I keep forgetting our what... 50-year anniversary? <laughs> that's, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking of it as anniversaries. <laughs> Not our 50-year anniversary. <laughs> For what it's, what it's you and me, our 50-year anniversary of Capital Retirement Strategies, I... Hmm. How old am I now? Yeah, I would be one of those horrific people people who everybody would talk about behind their back this 96 year old man is still coming to the office and and we can't tell him he can't he was one of the founding members that old guy and even though he does not even know where he is he wants to put and that's what we were you and i this is behind the scenes but we were talking about that's when i will be wearing the bow tie we were talking about which we will get to the bow tie later in this segment but you know what if you're still making it in the office we're going to stick stuff in front of you just so you feel useful. Oh, yeah. Just some, you know, Crayola crowns and, and <laughs> well, some, with remember, some graphs on it with about money. That's fine. I'll be a youthful 80 at that point. <laughs> so we better hope that we got a next generation in place. <laughs> I, I think most people in the office would be saying at that point, these guys don't exactly practice what they <laughs> preach about retirement planning. They basically uh, aren't retiring. But right, anyway, well, it's not the 50th anniversary of anything, but it is the 10th anniversary of, well, <laughs> you could say this whole year is the 10th anniversary of the financial crisis, but in particular of Lehman Brothers failing. And that makes it sort of more memorable as to that was when everything really started to melt down. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've been listening. You know, I'm one of the three people out there that listens to Bloomberg Radio in the D.C. Right. area. There's four. Uh, I listen occasionally. Okay. Well, the four of us who've been listening, they've had various uh, experts on the radio today just talking about you know, their memories from that time period. And, and one of the guys um, who was president of the Federal Reserve, I think afterwards, they asked him, you know, what was your most memorable time? And he said, it's got to be that week after Lehman failed that the credit markets, the lending entirely dried up. Companies yeah. just were not willing to lend money to anybody. AAA rated companies couldn't get funding. Right. Um, and that's, you know, that's what runs the economy is borrowing money. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was a scary time for yeah. sure. My memories of it, honestly, I, when I ever think about it, and we think about it more than normal people because it's always been part of our job <laughs> to go back to 2008, use that as a benchmark for bad. But, you know, I always go back to the people who predicted it. And 
we didn't predict it. I didn't predict it. But uh, a couple things. I always remember this meeting we had back when we were at another firm. You were there, too. Like It was the management people in the meeting. I just remember we were just talking. It was before this crisis. and It was close to it, though. Maybe it was 2006 or something. Yeah. And we were saying, like, how are people just buying these houses? Like, all these houses now are, like, over a million dollars. Like, where are the people coming up with that? Last time I checked, not everybody's making, you know, $300,000 a year. What's what's that all about? And then we just go, I don't know. I'm, nobody's predicted anything. I'm not saying I, I or anybody in that meeting predicted a bubble. No. But there was a conversation about how exactly is this happening. And then you sort of move off, and that's that. But I would say the other thing that is really more important about this crisis is not predicting a crisis, but the rhetoric that we do in our seminars, that we use with clients, that we do in this podcast, that we used to do on the radio show, we did before 2008, which is always prepare as far as retiring and making sure you have enough income. You better put things together to make sure you're going to have enough retirement income because you never know when that's going to happen. Now, to to be that way before 2008 did not require somebody to be like, oh my God, what a, wow, how did you know that? Well, we just had 2001. We just had the tech bubble. Wasn't that long ago? But it's amazing how people forget about stuff. Then get, as Alan Greenspan said, irrational exuberance. Yeah. And then... It happened. So we were certainly on that train, on working with people and tried to convince people very close to 2008 about let's put this plan together to make sure you're protecting income because you could do it now. And mm-hmm. people did not follow our advice. Obviously, some people did. Lots of people didn't. Well, yeah. And you had a lot of people who were, I mean, certainly this happened in the late 90s, but, you know, 06, 07 as well. Eh, why would I, you know, why would I put that plan in place for income? That's going to cost me on the upside. I'm not going to get all the growth there, you know. Instead of twenty percent, I'm going to get you know nineteen or eighteen percent growth. Uh, I'm not going to get all that. I don't think I'm interested. Um, you flip that around in 2009. Of course, everyone is interested in protecting income, and you know, how can I protect this from going down? Um, you know, I think you've got to have a balance there. I think some people probably overdid it with right. protection and safety and guarantees and all of that. And now you've got people who, once again, have kind of forgotten. I mean, 10 years right. is a long time in the memory of an investor. Right. And, and But <laughs> I, I feel like you never know. In fact, we're going to talk about something this conference that you and I went to meeting yesterday and we'll get into the future a little bit or at least what this guy was talking about but the reality is when you go to take care of this issue before something happens yeah you sort of what are the pros and cons it was obviously these instruments that you'd be using there's going to be a conservative nature to them a fee yeah scenario there's going to be issues pros and cons with any move but when you're the right person to protect income and I always look at the right person it would be someone who's getting closer to retirement and has no pension, you know, only Social Security. I always look at that as the right person has enough assets to be able to put together a reasonable plan. Um, those instruments, the tools in the toolbox, like you say, are going to be less expensive. And then they're going to be after this happens. Oh, of course. You're going to see the tools in the toolbox not be uh, watered down and right. more expensive. After the fact, obviously, as everybody's rushing into it, 
than before the fact, and we're in another uh, scenario now, not knowing when the next downturn will be that we're, and the complacency, which is natural with people hitting, that we're sort of in a, not the same scenario, certainly, wow. as, as 2006, but it's certainly a lot closer <laughs> to 2006, you know, than it was. So on that note of what's coming next, what's the future, um, Dave and I went to a talk yesterday, and I'm blanking on the guy's name. What was his name? Fritz Meyer? Yes. Um, and, and he's uh, an economist. You know, He worked for a bunch of fun companies for a while. He was a talking head on CNBC. Now I think he primarily is just kind of on the lecture circuit um, you know, talking about this stuff. Um, but it was a really interesting discussion because, you know, Dave, as you were saying before we started recording here, you know, he did a good job of balancing a lot of heavy data with people who know this stuff but are not, you know, we're not economists sitting here sifting through reams of data every single day. Right. Um, and I thought he did a really good job of sort of laying out, you know, what have returns been historically in the market? You know, are we at this time um, where stocks are overvalued, undervalued? You know, what is everything, what does the trajectory of things look like going forward? Um, so I want to hear your takeaways, but one of the big takeaways that I had from this is this discussion on are stocks overvalued, right? And this comes back to the old classic PE, price to earnings ratio, and we had this discussion more last year as P.E. ratios were starting to get up to 21, 22. Now they're, they're somewhere hovering a little bit above 19. Now, by historical standards, that is a little bit higher than, than the market's been usually in the 17 to 18 range. But he made an interesting point. He said, with any, with any asset, if you're trying to figure out what it's worth, you've got to use a discount rate. Basically, what is money in the future worth to you, right? So if I'm trying to figure out what an investment makes sense, well, I've got to figure out, well, you know, it's going to cost me 5% per year to borrow this money, so on and so forth. And he said, so you've got to factor in the inflation rate when you're looking at a P.E. ratio. So based on inflation today, a 19 P.E. ratio makes a lot of sense. When you're in the 70s and... Inflation's running at seven and a half percent. A ten or eleven PE ratio makes sense. So it, I thought that was one of the big takeaways when he was talking about thinking of that in the context of inflation versus just throwing this absolute number out. There. Right, and it's good that you thought that because you and I don't think the same way about these things. <laughs> I thought the everything he presented was really compelling. I hundred percent agree. I think this guy's a good teacher. He was a professor at. Dartmouth or somewhere, but you know, I... And he had, as you mentioned... barely out of high school, couldn't get into Dartmouth. (laughs) Um, But no, but he was a very good teacher, and then I just look at things, because what we do, we do these seminars, and and I look at how are people teaching and, and how are they making their points and what do they get into. And, you know, I'm only an expert really at one thing, and that's long-term care insurance. Um, and I know it inside and out, and I've been doing it for 20 years, and I do seminars, you know, as you as everybody probably knows. Um, 
So I'm trying to teach that, and one thing I noticed and he noticed is when he's teaching his subject, there's so many misconceptions in the media. When you really know what you're talking about, and and there are always pros and cons to everything someone presents with money or argues about, there's still these misconceptions in the media, things that are unproven, but they're just sort of thrown out there. Right. And I th- thought yeah. he was great at throwing out how much noise there is out there on things like CNBC yeah. and how that noise could be confusing and then maybe cause emotion to make you make decisions. And I like the way he threw that out and disproved the noise. And, you know, whenever you're an expert at something, many of you out there, <laughs> if you're, you're an expert at your job or are, and then you hear something in the media and you realize that, what are they talking about? This is the one thing I know about. Well, he right. was good at dispelling that and sort of proving his case. And the bottom line, that he was basically, the point he was making, and he said, I'm not making predictions. You never know what can happen. He was pretty clear to say, this is just da- data, and I'm analyzing it. Right. And, you know, you never know. But his data points to maybe this bull market, continuing for three to five years yeah that was the point he was basically making based on all the data not saying it's going to go straight up or anything like that nothing goes straight up but it was a pretty bullish talk and uh we all hope he's right (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean he was making the point that in 2018 earnings are up year over year 23 percent from last year and he really drove home this point that you know that I've I've often made before, pat myself on the back, is that you know stock prices are ultimately dictated by earnings of companies, right? In the short run, yeah, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of you know, well, this report was out and that report was out and it's up, it's down. So and so tweeted this, but ultimately, if the companies make more money this year than they did last year, stock prices are probably going to go up. Yep. Um, so, you know, he made this point that, you know, earnings were up um, and, and there were a lot of positive indicators. But, yeah, you'd, I'd kind of forgotten about, what, and he really emphasized this, how much the media skews, you know, this discussion. And, you know, this was not a political thing. This was not a skewed left or skewed right thing. I think it's probably what gets the most page clicks. I mean, that's that's the era that we live in. What gets the most page clicks is how, you know, when, what was the fortune headline that he showed? The end is near or how to. Yeah, right. How it's to, like he was basically, it was a headline basically assumed that this bull market was over and what should you do now? Yeah, it was like what to do at the end. And then he, he talked about all these other people who were predicting the end or somebody who predicted the end of the bull market. Yeah, well, he, he talked 2016 about 2016 or something. Yeah, back in 2016, Jeff Gundlach, who um, who runs Double Line, he, he kind of took over the mantle of the Bond King when Bill Gross sort of had his fall from grace at PIMCO. It, by the way, if you're following along with this and you know all these names, you are definitely deep inside the industry. <laughs> um, but this guy, Jeff Gunlock, you know, he's a big deal, right? He's a manages $100 billion in assets and, and so on and so forth. And he listed on there a couple other guys uh, of George Soros and, you know, some other big names, people who are supposed to be super smart, right? They know what they're doing. And in 2016, summer of 2016, uh, Jeff Gunlock said, get out of stocks, get out. Right? You got to get out now. 
And what have we seen since then? Well, we've seen a 40% increase in stock prices. Um, so it's really just right. driving home the the noise. Well, part of what he drives home is what you and I talk about, not every podcast, but most, that ultimately the stock market is the place to be in the long, long, long term. Yep. Uh, and that's not changing, but you do have to get through the noise. And we've talked about... You know, my feeling is uh, this iPhone era, the next recession is going to be tough, but any incident that happens is going to emotionally want people to change their portfolios or just get out of stocks. And, and you know, like, you know, my prediction, which could be wrong, y'all could email and tell me I was wrong, but my prediction is if the Democrats win the House this November, which is looking likely, that the next day the stock market's going to go down with yeah, a little probably. bit of panic about the Trump agenda being, you know, which tied in the stock market. But fundamentals basically tell you no matter what happens to Trump, <laughs> good or bad, the fundamentals look good and that a, a temporary thing might only be a temporary thing. You never know. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you never sell your stocks. Right. You never sell all your stocks. You basically... Uh, you need to be able to emotionally handle the downs and smart people emotionally handle the downs by knowing that they have a game plan that's going to make sure their day-to-day living is secure. Right. When I'm, I'm talking about our clients now who are retired or near retirement. And that was the, I was, you know, that was also what I got out of it. So that was actually worth it. Plus, since you and I do all these seminars and we give everybody dinner, they it was nice. It was lunch. done at Ruth Chris Steakhouse. We got, yeah. It was like nice being a seminar attendee and seeing how the whole thing works. So I did also was interested in presentation style and and I feel the good presenters, you know, even if you have a really good dinner, you leave it or lunch in this case, you leave it saying it, the, the meal was fine, but the presentation is what I was there for and it was really worth going to. I hope people say that about our things. People often do. They come up and say. Most of the time they do. Some people on the evaluation sheet write, the meal was fantastic. It's it's really not a compliment for us. (laughs) It's one of those backhanded compliments. All right. Thanks for joining us. We'll check in again soon.